Hello and welcome to the Scottish Tech Army podcast. I'm Kirsty McIntosh and this is episode 19. Uh, this week, as promised, we are going global. Uh, this is the first in a periodic series of tech for good stories from around the globe. And I'm very happy to welcome from Australia, Brendan Newton from AIM Mentoring. Good morning, Brendan. Yeah, it's lovely to be here in my evening over on the east coast of Australia. And uh, I'm excited about your ingenuity and entrepreneurial kind of pathways. Um, let's, let's enjoy this conversation. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it very much. Yes, it is evening where you are and it's uh, six o'clock in the morning over here. So I'm looking out of a window. I can't see anything because it's pitch dark, but uh, yeah, I'm sure it's well worth getting up for this morning. Um, Brendan, can you tell us a little bit both about yourself and AIM Mentoring, please, how, how you got to it and what it does? Yeah, no problem. Um, the way that I got into in, involved with AIM is uh, a couple of reasons. You know, I got really mentally ill. Uh, when I was 19, I'm 36 now, and suffered very badly from obsessive compulsive disorder, and it, it really stopped me. I had to reassess who I was and how I did things, really. That forced me to really you know, refocus whatever I was going to do. It was going to be to connect with those who were vulnerable or, or sort of would be able to benefit from my attention, I suppose. Uh, it sounds like a bit of an egotistic pursuit, and that became a huge passion for mine. So when I Traveled the world professionally as a bodyboarder. I pursued really in, intense big wave riding. And then I sort of finished up in my surfing career for a number of reasons, but then went back to education and found it very stiff in the education system, did a bunch of practicals back in schools. And and then I landed at a, this education program that was just free-spirited and completely visceral in its sense of connection. I, I went and spoke to them as, you know, a keynote speaker and I saw the room it was it was alive with connection and this was the AIM mentoring program and um, after that I didn't even do my teacher's interview which is kind of almost career suicide in some people's terms but I, I just said I'm going to work for these guys full stop um, thankfully you know I went and told my life story to the, the CEO and and he called me back and sort of said oh we want you to take the the boss's job the manager's job and i I said to him, I don't know if I can do that because I've never worked a full-time job in my life. I've done about 35 part-time jobs and, you know, I've, I've mowed lawns, I've stacked rocks, I've worked at the cafe, I've washed dishes, I've done everything I possibly can, but I don't know how to operate in a structured scene like running a mentoring program from, you know, a pretty conventional institution and a university and that's what the job was. So he said, oh, no, I'll back you and, and I got into it and uh, I was thankful for that you know, that risk he took with me and I sort of tried to honour that by just throwing my life towards it and um, went through that and the next two or three years was probably the most um, difficult but I learned a lot of things which is great but now have moved into, you know, a more direct skill set of mine which is um, essentially meeting people and figuring out what makes them tick and plugging them into the social change ecosystem we've been able to sort of manufacture. AIM particularly is an organisation that's, began by a 19-year-old eccentric kind of ambitious kid, Aboriginal guy who went into Sydney Uni, saw all these white privilege and he's, you know, he was plugged in through a, 
a scholarship, an Aboriginal scholarship, and he was sort of watching $200 bottles of vodka getting thrown over their shoulder on a Thursday night and he knew that his mum's heritage came from, you know, Aboriginal mission. Like it's, it's, a, it's you know, some of the worst educational outcomes in Australia are Aboriginal uh, demographics and he, he knew that disadvantage. That was very much a part of his story and he was angry. He didn't like the idea of taking up this scholarship when, you know, there was probably other kids that were sort of more black or more disadvantaged, more, you know, more deserving. So he said he's just going to he's gonna try to do everything he possibly can to change this narrative. And he started a mentoring program. He walked into a school um, after hustling all his peers in the lecture th- theatres and, and said, we're going to go and run a mentoring program. We're going to tell these kids that they're superheroes and, and that they can do whatever they want with their life and they can dream of, of a, a great career or a great idea and go and get it, you know. And, and so that kind of autonomy, that, you know, the tagline, everything is possible or uh, imagine what's possible, he used to say uh, to the kids. And that is, I think, like the core thread that runs as the DNA of the AIM mentoring program, which is now actually worked with 25,000 marginalised kids across six different countries. And we've mobilised 10,000 volunteer mentors from universities to be trained and, and dedicate sort of between sort of one and three hours a week to be mentors and, and sit in this unlikely exchange of, of interaction with these kids. And the results are that the kids are making it through school, tracked by KPMG audits, that they, they're closing that 40% gap of educational attainment and then on average we've seen 20,000 of them achieve those results, which is great, but more so these kids feel like they're alive. They can dream and do whatever they want. That's absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much. It's um, it's about, what is it, 16 years since since this mentoring program started up? It's, it's not, no time at all really, is it, uh, for, for the amount that you've actually delivered. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, the funny, the parallel to the 2005 is that, you know, when in a dorm room he was sketching the ideas in 2004 is the same the same period where you know Zuckerberg was sketching ideas about Facebook um, in his college dorm room and like the parallels like uncanny um, so we it was, we're, we're trying to walk that journey you know yeah fantastic so how does technology fit into all of that then I mean obviously um, you go into schools or that you're actually sort of physically in in spaces really but but how does tech sort of fit into that now I think storytelling moves people and if you want to move 30,000 people like we've sort of been able to do, storytelling has to be digital as well as face-to-face. Um, I mean, just talking to you now, I can see you on the internet. I think there's a, I think you probably couldn't be further away from me in the world right now. <laughs> you're, you're almost directly opposite times. Um, and there's a sense of connection. So that says to me, that there's potential for our digital devices and platforms, be it Zoom or WhatsApp, whatever you want to use, and some more sophisticated ones that it, that we can connect. And our whole movement is based off connecting, uh, connecting the top 1% of the world with those kids that, you know, potentially have only just got internet in the last six months in Kampala, Uganda, for example. So, yes, you... We've used technology. We use it to tell stories, to connect people. Um, I can tell you about some case studies, but um, I suppose we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit about Imagination TV because is that something that started 
after the pandemic started or, or, or was it just a coincidence that, that, the, that you were sort of live streaming TV uh, from, from March this year? Yeah, cool. So what has been a characteristic of our organisation, which has probably ruffled a few feathers, but also has been the reason we've been able to move so fast and, and affect so much change is we have a yes and attitude. So like that's one of the principles. It's like an acting principle of, you you know, someone puts up a, a, a certain piece of a narrative in, in a role play, you say yes and and you add to it. So when COVID struck, we literally, as a leadership team, were looking at each other through a Zoom call going, you know, we were just setting up the best physical program we ever had for 6,000 students globally and we were really excited about that. But, yeah, there was now social distancing, uni shut down, all our stakeholders shut down, and we were looking at each other on a Zoom call going, what are we going to do? And Jack said, well, why don't we start a TV show, live stream it to YouTube, get the best mentors in the world and all these kids we've got currently got permission notes from and lob them onto a TV show and have this eclectic engagement of mentoring, discovering, you know, some of the 18 values we've got and and then we sort of brought structure in later. But it was a series of like conversations via Zoom over one hour that was just like, yep, let's do this TV show. And um, from that came sort of, 99 episodes across, uh, you know, 50-odd schools, um, you know, 200-odd mentors and 400 kids engaged from minority backgrounds. And it was like this every day. I remember having our our, our producers meeting and, and just it was exciting. I was dropping my kids off at school and I'd pop onto Zoom at 9 a.m. and I knew I had a 12 p.m. show where it was going to go live and we were hustling kids on there and, you know, putting, you know, putting different mentors from different, areas we had prime ministers and you know the mandela family and a few other you know big hitter mentors and you know it was fascinating it was completely uh exciting so when sort of i suppose a lot of people were frozen with sort of fear or, or just didn't know what to do we i was having the time of my life and um we managed to do the the tv show and essentially yeah that's how we did our mentoring program i suppose for the next three months while everyone was sort of figuring out what coronavirus was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I don't think they figured that one out yet either, <laughs> sadly. Um, so the TV show is sort of finished for the time being, obviously 99 episodes, that's quite extraordinary. I was, I'm quite excited about getting to 20 episodes of my podcast, so 99 live streams of, uh, of TV is, is, is uh, something to behold, it's fantastic. So what happens next then? You're, um, you know, the world is a very different place than it was, you know, pre-March. Um, how are you going to deliver your programs from now on? I suppose inspired by the effectiveness and the accessibility of Imagination TV, which is, you know, the live stream show that we did, we, we sort of thought, well, what are we going to do going forward? And for the last four or five years, we've really been dreaming of just having a bit more impact and change the system a little bit more rather than operating within the system and, Kind of seeing a lot of kids enjoying the program and getting into uni or whatever, and then a lot of a lot of students at uni having a good time. But I, I saw us having like greater capacity for for change and mobilizing more people. You know, there's kids in juvenile justice. There's like CEOs and executives. There's like different people from different areas and different countries that couldn't connect with us because they didn't have the structured mentoring program agreement set up with us. So we thought, well we want to solve that problem. We want to be able to plug people into what we're doing. And then also we had 
sort of tested and tried a bunch of different mechanisms for change and some of them were student ambassadorships get a get a minority kid that has leadership capacity and and get them on a, a specific ambassador program and and send them send them off to change their world in 100 days and and report on those findings and and then we also tried and tested a co-ceo program where we had business executives or our 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 ceo having a minority young kid or an aboriginal kid coming under their wing and learning the ropes of business and being in boardrooms and sitting with CEOs and fast-tracking that skill set for them and, by extension, their family and demographic. And we also had teacher training. We were sort of saying to teachers, hey, how about teach with imagination? Like, break the rules, you know, like so that we can actually open up the classroom walls and, 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 and test out some of these ideas we feel like could work, you know, we've tried in our mentoring program. So we, there's all these different things beyond just mentoring high school marginalised kids. And so we thought we want to reach the world. We've got intelligence in a couple of areas. We've tried and tested these programs before. Why don't we put it all under one umbrella and do a cheeky thing and say we're going to start a university because we kind of did a bit of research and figured out that maybe 3% of people access universities in developing countries and we thought, well, how about we stick it to that and say, we're going to start a university. We're just going to call it a university. We're going to try to sidestep some legals by putting it in a funny brackets and, and hopefully someone doesn't file a lawsuit against us. But um, we're going to start a university and we're going to invite school kids, uni students, teachers, executives and general citizens to come and learn from us and then go away and change the world. Um, and that's what Imagination <laughs> University is and... We've had 1,415 applications um, come in um, and we're... Oh, is that just from the 1st of October? <laughs> yeah. So um, the guy, Eric Schmidt, who founded Google, actually linked us into Hello World, which is this phenomenal kind of pursuit of mobilising minority kids. And they're recruiting 20,000 this year, marginalised young people, to support them to live their dreams. And they said, you can have the top 1,000 of them for Imagination University. So... That's a good win for us, but also like pretty cool that we, yeah, get access to that. And we've also, you know, me as one of the recruitment leads at the organisation, I've just been hustling and bustling, trying to figure out who I can contact. And and then, you know, there's been some wonderful people that actually do want to make change and want to, I suppose, rebel a bit, try something new and, and figure out how we can take one percent of the world that owns fifty percent of the world's wealth and connect them with kids in Kampala or, you know, like break those rules and start to take down the red tape which perpetuates disadvantage. Like that's our yeah. ultimate goal. Yeah. I think actually one of the one of the lessons from the pandemic is is the world is actually quite a small place. Yeah. Um, if you can if you can push a pandemic around the globe in a couple of weeks then then you can do, you know, you can do amazing things if uh, if you if you take that um, that idea and as you say push it around the globe so you've already kind of um put your toe in the water in terms of coming to scotland with this program i know that you've um, that you've been talking about it here in scotland have you had any applications from over here yet good question um i don't think we have so we did a keynote at the festival called um creative bravely bravery um and they had a radical little program that they set up to widen the concept of educators and education and, and use imagination and I think their tagline was reimagining education and and that sort of appealed to me and I met them and I was like yeah we'll just connect in and do something but I don't think we got too many applications from that maybe it was a bit of a foreign concept we tend to use our brochure as 
um, a way of playing with words and drawing pictures and, and doing funny things like and some people just don't get it <laughs> so um, maybe, maybe they don't apply because it doesn't look legit um, but yeah, I suppose. Well, I loved it. I mean, I suppose. <laughs> uh, well, I suppose to to to, uh, to tell the story of how how I found you was um um uh, for the benefit of our listeners. Brendan sent me something and he sent me a connection request on LinkedIn, and and I was just completely uh, sort of like captivated by all of your branding. Actually, it was the thing that made me made me look at the um, at the message sort of in the first place. And uh, I just think it's really really exciting what you're doing. So hopefully, we'll be able to to push out the message that this isn't anything to be to be afraid of. Um, one of the things I wanted to kind of touch on with you actually, um, earlier on this week, I, I had uh, uh, the privilege of, of listening to um, a series of Scottish organisations, um, all who uh, whose um, client base, if you like, suffer from digital exclusion for many and varied reasons. Um, and I was wanting to ask you what that's, what's that, what that's like in, in Australia in terms of um, the, the people that you're trying to reach, how easy is it for them to actually get on the internet? How easy is it for them to have devices and, and actually get access to all this kind of amazing material that's available to them? Is this a is this a big issue down in Australia? It's certainly a big issue for us here in Scotland. Yeah, it is a big issue. And I think we've got an opportunity to uh, soften those communications to those people who may be foreign to jumping on Zoom and expressing themselves. Like, that's hard. Um but, you know, I'm having a good time with it now, but I've spent all year doing it. Like, um, so it's up to us who have that privilege, I suppose, to reach out and cultivate a confidence in those people to use the systems. But then again, if they don't even have access to Wi-Fi or a device, that's another issue. Mm-hmm. We've got 106 kids in Kampala um, and they they are clocked into our mentoring program, wonderful kids, many of them from the slums, like, and our program leader over there was telling me that there's only six kids engaging in our our digital provision of the program, Imagination TV, and mm-hmm. um, and the sort of offset of that is um, the spin-off of that is we do Imagination Classrooms after, which is like online tutorials and mentoring, and only six ki- kids could engage. And what about the other 100? They don't have access to internet or a device. Like that's... Uh, like as far as I'm concerned, that's not good enough. Like we've got kids um, playing computer games uh, all night in New York and we've got kids that can't even get onto an educational program in Kampala, which is, you know, a quarter of a way around the world. It's like um, we've got to change that and we've got to take that responsibility and, and see, if, see if we can imagine new ways of distributing internet devices, uh, figured it out, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think that's very true. I mean, it, the, the connectivity issue is 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 very big. I mean, we have a you know difficult geography in Scotland as well, which means that you know there are several communities within Scotland that don't have broadband connections. Um, it's not so much that you can't get a device; it's that actually you can't get a connection because there's a mountain in the way, and there's there's um, an unwillingness to invest in, in pushing that broadband out to everywhere that it needs to be. So it is a huge, huge problem, and it, and it's. Um, it's one of enormous frustration, actually, because, you know, as you say, the Internet is a, you know, it's a goldmine of information. It's a goldmine of learning. It's a goldmine of, you know, connectivity with other human beings. And uh, and it's just so frustrating that the very people who would benefit from that most are the very people who sometimes just can't get anywhere, can't get anywhere near it. So you're right. Mm. It's, uh, it's something that we should we should um, address directly and uh, and seek to fix, I think. Mm. Um, so, um Okay, so yeah, um, 
the university is off and running, which is absolutely fantastic. What other plans have you got for um, for 2021 and beyond? Yeah, so we're sort of um, refining the content. We've got six key content areas like that we feel like we've got something to speak about in terms of a global setting and their mentoring, imagination, building bridges, flipping the script of a narrative, particular narrative of someone's life, um, and organising change, so the principles of organising change, what's worked for us for you know, 30,000 people over the last 15 years, and and then hoodie economics, which is something they're sort of drafting with um, with a couple of people at the moment, um, and that's around sort of different principles to an economic system, using kindness, using um, different methods to exchange currency um, rather than just cash. Um, so those key content areas are like, they're fascinating, you know, like we've been going down rabbit holes with them and figuring out like, you know, what is the capacity for imagination beyond being a five-year-old playing with Lego? Like what, maybe it's the answer to, I mean, I know many of our sort of Einstein, I think said fast, like um, imagination is more important than knowledge. And he was a pretty cool guy, achieved a few things. So um, like, how can we figure that out? Um, and potentially make this legit. You know, imagination is not just a fluffy word. It's like maybe we can solve the world's biggest problems with imagination. How can we make this a sophisticated space where we explore that? And we're going to do our best, I suppose, through the uni and as it kicks off in February 1st, 2021, and and, and try to unpack these concepts in the, in the best way we can um, and, then, and then go on a journey with those who are sort of enrolled and, that's kind of what we're doing. Um, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be lots of mistakes, um, <laughs> but uh, which is the best way to learn, anyway, definitely. But it's it's you know we're just trying to have a go at the you know six key areas that we feel like have got 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 potential to really create new new ways of doing things, and then um, try to track the progress of that and and have fun along the way with it, you know, play. <laughs> um, yeah. I do. I, I was really captivated when we were talking earlier about you were saying that you could have a, I don't know, a mentor in, I don't know, Western Australia somewhere talking to somebody in, you know, Kampala, sharing, um, you know, um, a meeting with somebody, an executive from New York, um, this kind of global diverse thinking, also sitting down sort of trying to, to solve a naughty problem I'm, I'm just i think that's absolutely absolutely fantastic hmm. um so how do you uh how do you become a mentor firstly if it's something that you're interested in in, in mentoring through a mentoring what's the what's the process there for those of uh, those listeners who might be interested hmm. yeah so kind of the mentor inroad at the moment is like not applicable to what we're doing the what we're recruiting for at the moment is those who want to jump in and learn those six key content areas and make change in their field. So that would be an application to Imagination University. You can go to amentoring.com and and do that. But, um, yeah, that's probably the best inroad to be, you know, there's lots of mentoring to be done on a monthly basis with those kind of tutorial groups throughout 2021. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a a fantastic way to flex a mentoring muscle there. Um, But, in terms of mentoring via the program, um, we'll have positions available to mentor minority kids um, on a digital level come out probably March, April next year. But, um, yeah, at the moment we're focused on filling this university and and, and, and setting up through the, the channel of 
of the university students, mainstream university students that sign on to Imagination University, they will be tasked with going out and running a mentoring program locally, mobilising 100 mm-hmm. volunteer mentors to connect with 100 minority young kids in a neighbouring high school. And that mentoring will happen given COVID's you know, restrictions at the time, either digitally or on campus. Um, so there will be potential for the Globe to plug into mentoring digitally in March, April next year. But kind of our prerogative at the moment is to try to set up this union and, and essentially have a crack at changing the world. Like, So that's our, that's, I suppose, an inroad yeah. for people to... <laughs> I like that. I, I like the fact that you're... Um, um you're going straight to digital with it, you know, when, when just about every other education sort of system is having to pivot around from a, from sort of physical delivery. Um, you're able to think of it sort of slightly differently, I think, because you're coming at it from a, a completely fresh perspective. So um, I think it's, um, it sounds like an admirable thing to do and, um, and, I, and uh, congratulations on it. I think it will be really, really exciting. I look forward to uh, looking out for it over here as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just think like, there's probably a bit more like digital sophistication that's worth noting. Like we've got Salesforce um, who's partnering with us um, and PwC um, and PwC and PwC Indigenous who are, are crafting what's called like Salesforce Trailhead um, trails, which are digital uh, pathways for people to remain engaged with Imagination University throughout the 2021 experience. So like it's, it's not – it's not easy, is it? You know, like actually getting people together. I know what you're doing with, with your work and the, um, you know, the work in Scotland and the way you're trying to connect a lot of people digitally with organisations. I think you said that you've got like 1,000 volunteers connecting now, is it? Yes, about 1,200 volunteers. 1,200 volunteers, yeah. So mobil- yeah, mobilising people um, without getting them in a hall, for example, and doing some sort of a talk, or it, it's hard. So we're trying to use people that are renowned for doing well at this, you know, Facebook's incredible at it, you know, like Instagram's incredible at it, mobilising and and connecting people. Um, But we're trying to, I suppose, retain a sense of continuity and purpose with Imagination University. And we've sort of onboarded Salesforce to try to run one of their products, which is Trailhead, to try to connect in all these unlikely alliances from 20 different countries and, and take them on a journey um, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm slightly scared, slightly excited, slightly fascinated with how we can try to pull this off. Um, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, th- that's, I suppose, maybe in 20 years' time, like Salesforce Trailhead is just like a Facebook and people just run their businesses off it. I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. It's good to think of it differently, yeah. actually. It's just a kind of how, how do you apply all of that in, a, in an entirely different context? Uh, well, our, our founder here, Alistair Forbes, has a, a, a brilliant quotation from Mario Andretti that he, he refers to frequently, where uh, Mario Andretti said that um, if everything feels like it's in control, you're not going fast enough. <laughs> so it sounds to me like that's where you are at the moment. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And uh, like similar quote would be like, you know, how failure applies to and fear applies to, you know, how, how you do your life day to day, like you don't want too much fear and failure, but it's certainly like a lovely uh, place to dance in. Uh, I think it's the zone of proximal development, which was an education term that I learned at university where, you know, you dance in that scary, uncomfortable space and then hopefully, you know, that sort of stretches your ability to eventually make that space 
where you operate and then continue to expand further like mm -hmm. um <laughs> i like that i like that a lot that sounds absolutely brilliant well brendan listen it's been really really interesting talking to you thank you very much for your time today um and i very much hope that we'll kind of keep in touch and and, uh, and watch to see how the university rolls out out next year yeah thank you thanks for listening and like having time to let me express myself for a little bit <laughs> that's good thank you very much <laughs>